and did a bit of a background on Romans, but I haven't got time to do that again today. Suffice to say that uh, the, Rome, the letter to the Romans wasn't written uh, because of heresy in the church. It wasn't like, like in, say, uh, Galatians. It wasn't written uh, to, uh, to uh, discipline any uh, church members that were going astray like Corinthians. It was written from the heart of Paul to a church that was going well so that they might, he hadn't been there to speak, uh, they, they had got uh, saved through, uh, no, uh, they're not exactly sure how, whether it was a, uh, Epaphroditus or possibly uh, one of the other disciples, but um, he, uh, uh, but he wrote that letter so that they would have an understanding of who Christ was and then how to live that life out. So understanding and then application. And the Bible's all about those two things. It's about understanding what God has done in Christ and what that means for us. And then how do you live that out? You need both. It's not just living and, and doing what you can without understanding. And it's not having all the understanding without actually doing anything. So Paul wrote to the Roman church so that they might understand about Christ, what he'd done and what it meant for them. And then how do you live that out in their life and make a difference in the world. So this is part two. We're going to continue in the next part of the, of the verses, uh, Romans 8, uh, 5 to 9, we're going to look at. I'm going to read it out. It's a little bit of scripture. So if you've got a Bible app or you've got your Bible there, you can follow along. It will be up on the screens as well if you uh, want to read along. This is the NIV translation. It says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it, uh, can, can it be, or nor, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Wow! Some heavy-duty stuff there. Okay, so last week, as I said to you, just, just uh, so if you weren't here, just a little bit of foundation that we can build on. God doesn't forgive you because you're good enough, because you've uh, got it all together, and uh, God doesn't judge us on a bell curve like uh, university entrance exams. Uh, where we think oh, we might not get a high distinction because we've stuffed up a bit, but hey, we're not as bad as the guy that has lost his pants and wandering around. We're not. Uh, <laughs> we're, there's some people that are worse than us, so we may not be. We might not get a high distinction, but we're we're a lot better than some other people. Therefore, surely we're going to get in. God doesn't judge people on a bell curve. There's two ways. You're either perfect, or you're not. That's how God judges because He says, "I made you perfect." Therefore, I expect you to be perfect. And the only way you get into heaven and in a relationship with me is if you're perfect. And if you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, I'm pretty close, or maybe you're thinking I'm doing all right, uh, maybe read the first five books of the, New, of the Old Testament uh, where there's 600 laws that you've got to keep. And you might, you, know, you, might, you might think, oh, maybe I'm not actually perfect. Or even if you still think you're doing okay, then you've got to realize that the Bible talks about sins of commission. Oh, wow, I shouldn't have done that. Sins of omission. Wow, I should have done that. I didn't. 
Uh, sins of your thinking. Does that count? Absolutely. You think something, that counts. Sins of the heart, jealousy, greed, ambition, all of these things, do they count as well? Absolutely. So when we actually begin to put things in perspective, when we think, hey, we're going to come before God on our own merit, on our own goodness, on the, on the good works that we've done, once we start to put it in perspective, we realize we're short, that we've actually stuffed up. And that's a problem because if you're not perfect, you don't get in, which is why Jesus came. That's why we don't stand before God saying, God, I'm perfect or I'm good and therefore you're going to accept me because it's clear from the Scriptures that you're not. That's the bad news. The good news is that's why Jesus came. We don't stand before God because of our own righteousness. We stand before God because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour and His righteousness becomes our righteousness. It's called substitutionary atonement, which simply means that what Christ's perfect life becomes our perfect life when we ask Christ into our life. Therefore, we can stand confidently before God, knowing that there is no condemnation in Christ, that all my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and God will never judge me. He will never condemn me because He's already condemned Jesus Christ upon the cross. Therefore, we've got confidence to stand before God. That was last week. That's a, that's a quick <laughs> summation. So, you feeling good? That's why we can stand confidently before God because Jesus Christ is in our life. But here's the, here's the kicker. This is what happens to us as believers. So we realize, okay, I'm not perfect. And therefore we ask Christ into our life and we're saved. But then what happens is then we try and live out the Christian life by works. So therefore we think if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm praying, if I'm doing, and they're all important things, but we then begin to think, okay, God's going to answer my prayers because I've now accumulated a whole list of good things that I've done, which if I put it in the balance, surely it's got to count towards something. And it does count towards our relationship with God, but it counts nothing towards God answering our prayers. Absolutely nothing. So this is what I want to look at here this morning. Uh what does it mean when it says to live according to the flesh, to set your mind according to the flesh, to be carnally minded? What does that mean as opposed to living according to the Spirit, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit and being spiritually minding? Does it mean, and this is oftentimes where our mind goes, does it mean that you're always thinking about worldly things? You're always thinking about fleshly things. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. Uh, oh, uh, you're always thinking about sex. Or you've got, I don't know, always got carnal things on your mind. Is that what it means? And it can mean that. And that's part of it. But I think it, that's pretty clear for most people, that that, that kind of thinking, carnal thinking, worldly, fleshly, uh, temptation-type stuff, that it's pretty clear that we understand that that's carnal. I want to look at something else here today that the Bible clearly teaches, which oftentimes we don't associate with being carnal or fleshly thinking. Does anyone want to hear what it is? Okay, so here's my rationale. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death there in the Scriptures, right? So if you're carnally minded, it's death. But if you're spiritually minded, it means life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity towards God. Correct? That's what it says. So to be carnally minded, it says there, 
is to live according to the flesh, to be in the flesh. Now we know, as I said before, that part of that description means that you're just living out your the, the natural carnal desires or you're constantly thinking and that's the only thing that you're focused on. It's the only thing that you think about. But, but think about this. It says those who are carnally minded live according to the flesh. They're in the flesh, right? It says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It also says that there, right? In verse 8. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Who else can't please God? Where else in the Bible does it say there's somebody that can't please God? Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So it's not just, being in the flesh is not just thinking carnally in the sense of fleshly desires and, and, and uh, ungodly type ambition. It actually, what it's saying is, is to be in the flesh is to be living without faith, not just for salvation, but for your future, for your career, for your family, for your desires, the things that God's placed in your heart, your calling to live without faith in God, that those things will come to pass is to be carnally minded, is to be going, you know what? It's like wanting or desiring things without any faith that God is actually going to bring them to pass. And if that's the way we're living, then we're living without faith in Christ. And if they're, if they're God desires and ambitions and dreams, then guess what? They're not going to come to pass. Because it says here, to be in the flesh, to be carnally minded, is death. Does that mean death to yourself? No, but death to your hopes, death to your dreams, death to your ambitions, death to the calling and purposes of God that He's placed upon your heart, maybe through prophecy, through word, through uh, uh, actual prayer times, to be actually thinking that those things are going to come to pass without faith in Jesus Christ and His Word that they will come to pass is to be carnally minded. That's what Paul is saying right here, to be in the flesh is to be living without a faith in Jesus Christ. Not just for salvation. Because that's pretty clear that we believe in Jesus Christ, that we're not perfect. But what about how we live our life out from that point on? The Bible says this, the just shall live by faith. That's called sanctification. Salvation, justification is the first part of salvation. Trust in Jesus Christ that all our sins will be forgiven. Justification, if you want to know what that means, it just means I just trust in Jesus. Not in the works that I've done, not in anything else that I've accumulated. I just trust in Jesus. But then how do you live your life? And this is what I find oftentimes, and I find myself doing this as well, we go to church, we tithe, we maybe go to the prayer meeting, maybe we fast every now and again. And in our head, we're starting to think that I'm accumulating brownie points with God. That out of my works, God's going to answer my prayers. It's not the way it works. God is not moved by need. He is moved by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you are carnally minded, it is death and you cannot please God. Therefore, it's not by what we're doing. Do we still go to church? Do we still read the Bible? Do we still pray? Do we still fast? Yes, but we're not doing it that somehow we're going to twist God's arm to, to give us the stuff that we want. 
It's not the way it works. We are trusting in God that by faith, we live by faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith is in Him that He is going to bring about His purpose in our life. That He is going to answer and bring about the things that He's spoken about in our world. That is to live by faith. That is to trust Jesus Christ. That is how it works. And Paul is outlining it here to the Roman church. He's talking about, he is talking about that carnally-minded stuff and, and just living in a, in a carnal kite life. But most of us are not doing that. But what most of us are doing is just living our lives hoping that the things that we want are going to come to pass. Hoping that because we go to church, because we go to the C3 Cares service and feed the homeless, because we are doing all these things, somehow that's going to make God more inclined to answer our prayers. And it's a lie from the devil. God is not moved because we're doing all this stuff. Does he like that? Absolutely. Is it part of being a Christian? Yes. We, but the Bible says that we are constrained by love. We are motivated by love. That these things that we're doing is not to somehow get brownie points or, or, or somehow get on the right side of the ledger with God. But out of the love that we've experienced, it motivates us to want to serve Him, love Him, please Him and do what He asks us to do. That's what it's about. And so it's important that we don't think, and then we get frustrated because we think God's not answering our prayer, that He's not moving in our life, but we've got no faith exercised towards Him for it to come to pass. We're just hoping. It's a work-based belief system, and it doesn't move God. It doesn't release miracles. It doesn't release God's purpose in our lives. Faith is what moves God. Faith is what releases God's purpose, His plan, and His desire into our life for salvation and the way we live our life. So, this is good so far. So living according to the flesh is living according to the natural occurrences of life and events. Everybody does that. Life just works its way out. We do what we do. We go to work. We, we do some stuff. Maybe we're praying here and there, but we aren't um, believing in, and trusting in Jesus Christ that He's going to bring these things to pass. It's a works-faith combination, and it doesn't work. Living according to the, fle- uh, living according to the Spirit so living according to the, the flesh is just living according to our natural senses, the natural occurrences of life. They're just hoping that things are going to work out, hoping that this is going to happen, hoping that we might get uh, a promotion, hoping that the business is going to work and all these kind of things. We're, we're doing them, but we don't really exercise faith in it. We don't really, as it says here, live according to the Spirit, living a life empowered by the Spirit and living with our uh, setting our mind on the things of the Spirit, on the things of God. So, uh, is that clear so far? So, to be, He is a supernatural God. God moves in the supernatural realm. The way we access the supernatural realm and please Him is by entering into faith in Jesus Christ, believing that what He said and that what He's done and that what He's doing is true. 
That is how you access the kingdom and the supernatural presence of God. So how do we set our minds on the Spirit? How do we set our minds on the Spirit so that these things come to pass? Okay, this is what I want to unfold just in the next five minutes or so. Romans 10, 18 to 10 says this, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the scripture we quote for people to get saved, right? That with the heart you believe, with the mouth you confess. But it's not just about salvation. Faith is how we live. We live by faith. Therefore, it also applies to the other promises of God, to the other areas of our life, and how we live according to God's Spirit, according to God's promises, according to His calling, and according to His desires for our life. We do it through faith. We do it by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. What are you saying? about your future? What are you declaring about your future? Because what you are declaring and saying is what is going to happen. It's what you're going to get. If we are just saying, oh, uh, it's not going to, nothing ever works out for me. I'm I'm hopeless or uh, I'm never going to get a job or I'm never going to break through. This business is never going to get off the ground. We find ourselves saying this stuff. It's subconsciously sometimes. But the Bible says if we want to move into the supernatural realm, into the kingdom of God, you get there two ways. You get there by believing His Word and by speaking His Word into our life and our circumstances. Through the Word of God and through confession, which is His de- its declara- declaration, that's what causes the Holy Spirit to move. That's what releases the Holy Spirit into our life and our circumstances. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I ask you again, what have you been saying over the last week, the last month, and the last six months about the things you're hoping for, dreaming about, desiring, the callings, the things that God's placed in your heart? What have you been saying about them? Have you been declaring the promises of God, or have you been speaking according to the carnal mind which looks at the circumstances and declares them as opposed to the supernatural, the promises, and declares them? Where and what have you been saying? Let me give you another scripture, Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is a father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not as though they were. He doesn't declare the things that are and confirms that they are. I'm broke. It's not working out. The economy's bad. Don't know if I'll get a job. Don't know if I'll finish my degree. Don't know, I don't know this. It, it, it doesn't say that you just declare what you already see and what's already happening. It says you declare the things that are not. That's what faith is. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Surely it should say it shouldn't depart from your thinking, your mind, your heart. No, it says the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. I ask you again, what have you been confessing? What have you been saying? What's coming out of your mouth? 
Are you just confirming the current circumstances or are you declaring the promises and the Word of God and bringing the supernatural into the natural? When we confess, when we declare the Word of God, now listen to this, when we confess God's Word, when we declare it over our circumstances, we are manifesting Jesus into our world. That's what we're doing. The Word of God, the Scripture is called the Logos. It's called the written Word. In and of itself, it's great, it's living. How does it, though, become from, go from the book to manifesting in the, in the real world? By faith and confession, through the Holy Spirit. When we confess and declare God's Word, we manifest Jesus into our circumstances. We take the Word from being just Logos. Anyone can carry a Bible around. Any non-believer, any person, any person that thinks they're a Christian, is a Christian, isn't a Christian. Carrying a book around doesn't release it into people's lives. It doesn't manifest it. There's Bibles all over the place. I know non-Christians that have Bibles in their house. Just holding a Bible, carrying a Bible, having a Bible doesn't manifest the promises of the Bible. So how does it come from being the Word, the Logos, into being manifested, where Jesus actually begins to manifest in our circumstances, it comes through declaration. You begin to speak God's Word and the Holy Spirit begins to move. The Holy Spirit gives birth to Jesus, the Word of God, in our life. The Holy Spirit manifests, He reveals the Word of God. That's His role in the earth today. You say, I don't believe it. Matthew 1.18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit manifests Jesus in the world. When we pray, when we declare the Word, the Holy Spirit manifests those promises in the Word, Jesus is the Word. That's the way it becomes reality. We speak it, faith ignites it, the Holy Spirit manifests Jesus and miracles occur. Circumstances change. Things begin to happen in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit brings manifestation of the things of God. Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things that which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, what's seen was, is made of what was invisible. And it's faith that made creation come into being. And if we go to Genesis 1, so if we understand, okay, it's saying in Hebrews it's faith. But then in Genesis 1 it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God created them. But Hebrews 3 says, faith created them. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit was there at creation or before creation. He's hovering there. And then it says, God said, let there be light and there was light. What happened? Hebrews says faith occurred. God spoke in faith. The Holy Spirit moved and the world was created. That shows us how things occur in the spirit realm. 
We speak God's Word because it says in Colossians 1.16, if you start pulling some Scriptures together, if you read what Colossians 1.16, it says this, For by Him, this is talking about Jesus, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Hold on a sec. It says here, Jesus created them. But then Genesis says God created them and that the Holy Spirit manifested them and that it was done by faith. So there's, some, there's a combination going on here. What's happening here? It says, by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. So what does that mean? That means that when we take God's Word and we begin to declare it in faith, over our circumstances, it releases the Holy Spirit to begin to manifest God's Word into those circumstances. Jesus becomes real right there, right then. Miracles begin to happen because where Jesus is, miracles occur. Where Jesus is, the supernatural occurs. Where Jesus is, people get saved. Where Jesus is, healings happen. Where Jesus is, sins are forgiven. Where Jesus is, stuff happens. Where Jesus is, things happen. When Jesus is manifest, life occurs because in Him is life. In Him is life. That's why it's so important that we are declaring God's Word into our world and into our circumstances, that we are spiritually minded, that we set our mind on the things of the Spirit so that the purposes, the plans, the desires come to pass in our world and in our circumstances. The Word was there. The Spirit was there. Faith was spoken and the Word was manifest. The world was created. How was it created? Because the Word was spoken, spoken, the Holy Spirit moved, and Jesus, it says in Colossians, created it. Because all things were created through Him. Through Him. Anything that's going to happen into your life, according to the promises and the will of God, will come through Jesus Christ. Not by your works, not by your hard effort, although that's a part of it and it's important and we've still got to do stuff. But if we're thinking because we're working hard and because we've accumulated a, a, a good account on the ledger that somehow that's going to twist God's arm to making it happen in our life, we are deceiving ourselves, we'll be discouraged and disappointed. It's faith in God's Word and God's promises that we are declaring routinely over our world that will manifest the promises of God and see your life change by the power of the Holy Holy Spirit. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's good news. So what are the three elements? What do we need to do? You've got to have the Word of God. If you're not reading the Word of God, you are not going to see supernatural things happen in your life because the Word must be manifest. If you're going to declare the Word, you've got to have the Word. You've got to know the Word. You've got to know what it says so that you can declare it over your life. What if you say, I don't have faith? I can't declare it because I don't have faith in it that it's going to happen. Well, praise God that He has all bases covered because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He's got all the bases covered. I don't have faith. You don't need it. 
It says everybody's got faith the size of a mustard seed, but it says if you just start declaring it, even if you don't believe it, it'll generate faith in your heart so that you actually begin to believe it so that it can manifest itself in your world and in the world. That's how it works. It's got nothing to do with you. Nothing. Praise God. It's not dependent on your education. It's not dependent on your upbringing. It's not dependent on your station in life. It is dependent upon nothing to do with you. You don't have to generate, stir up, manifest faith in your own heart by your own works. The Word will bring it about. The Word of God will generate faith in your heart to believe what the Word has spoken over your world. And as faith begins to generate, then you begin to declare it in faith. You begin to step out in faith and things begin to change. Things begin to change. Things begin to change in your world, in your life, in your future, in the church, in the place. We are going to see this church fulfill its purpose by declaring God's promises over the inner west. Not by looking around and going, oh, this is happening, that's happening. That doesn't matter. Looking over your own life and going, I don't have this, I don't have that. This isn't happening. That's it doesn't matter. God creates out of the things that are not there. What do you need? You need faith. You need the Word and the Holy Spirit's waiting. If you've got the Holy Spirit and you've asked Jesus Christ into your life, you have those elements. You have everything you need to see the purposes of God manifesting in your world. Then it's just a timing issue. And this is oftentimes where we lose it. And I don't want to talk about that too much. But we declare, we focus, we fast, we pray, we believe, and it doesn't happen, and we give up because the timings are in God's hands. The timings are in God's hands. But if we continue to declare and believe and trust, then guess what? They work out for good in Jesus' name. God has an incredible future in line for you. God's promises belong to you because it says to whoever shall believe. It's not dependent upon where you're from. You're, as I said, your upbringing, it's got absolutely nothing to do with what you do. If you take God's word, if you begin to speak it, it'll generate faith in your heart to take a hold of God's promises and see them happen in your world. The just shall live by faith alone. In the, Re in the Reformation, there was a quote that they always used to say, which was called sola scriptura or something like that, which means the scriptures alone. Not the scriptures, not, which is the word. Not Jesus and my works, not Jesus and my, my indulgences, not Jesus and the, anything else that I add, my, uh, my temples or my, my um, sacrifices or my beatings or anything else. Faith in Jesus alone. I live by faith in Jesus alone. Alone. And I begin to declare it over my life. And as you begin to do that, and as we begin to do it, we're going to see God move powerfully. Powerfully. I want to see God manifesting in your world. I want to see God's calling and purpose and plan and desires for you coming to pass so that your life is a testimony to the goodness of God. 
part to play. When I say it's got nothing to do with us, not in the sense of God moving, but we have to play our part in the sense that we've got to be part of the equation. If we're not willing to believe, if we're not willing to focus on God's Word, if we're not willing to confess it, to understand it, to know what it is and begin to speak it, guess what? It's not going to happen. It won't manifest. But as we pray, as we believe, as we declare, the Holy Spirit's going to move in your world and in your life. Jesus is going to manifest. And as I said before, where Jesus is, miracles happen. Where Jesus is, there's supernatural provision. 5,000 men, possibly 20,000 people are fed supernaturally when Jesus is there. Healings occur when Jesus is there. Blind eyes are open when Jesus is there. Let's see Jesus manifesting in our life and in our world. And you watch what happens. Let's close our eyes here this morning.